You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast. I had to go to CBA school, salary cap school, and tampering school. Can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be wink- winking like. <laughs> On basketball and other shenanigans. I mean, good for you. I mean, you probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> you don't have that clutch connection. I have a job to do. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best. I say, man. hey, I say, hey, yo, Jermichael, he turns around. I'm like, you know Lakers coming for that ass this year, right? Uh-huh. Eddie Sun. Some voters just like to be contrarian, you know, whether it's for clicks, whether it's for just because they like to be contrarian. Yes, you do. That's true. I feel like Eddie gonna be the type to be like MVP, James Harden. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers, but we are against those analytics. The analytics. And Julio Martinez. Braun just frustrates me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. You've been hyping up this game. Obviously, it's a big game. He he looks juice for it. Bro, just score the ball. Everybody just thinks I'm a hater. That is blasphemous. And and, and you know what's that reminiscent of? That was, you know, MVP Steph season. Oh, right? here we go. He was getting here we go. Game. All right, y'all. It's been a he great episode. Fourth quarter. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball ball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. I'm your host, Ray Griffin. All is right in the world again. I'm hosting the show. And I'm joined by my two fellow co-hosts, my friends, Eddie Sun and Julio Martinez. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm kind of uh, down that, you know, we're not getting four playoff games per day anymore. Now it's going to be like two or three, mostly two. So it's kind of disheartening because, I mean, I mean, that... They were having games all day, and it was amazing. Really was. Um, we're also equipped with Wi-Fi in this house now, so sure. no connection issues, no choppy audio, none of that stuff as well. Julio, just remember the days when there was no basketball, man. So when you think back into how many there's not enough games going on right now, just remember those dark times when there was nothing happening, and we all just had to talk about, you know. Well, LeBron James ate for breakfast one morning because there was no sports news. But there is sports news today. The Mavericks and the and the Clippers played today. Very ugly game. It was a blowout. Luka is playing on one leg, essentially. No Chris Saps, Porzingis. And the Clippers did what you would expect the Clippers to have done in that situation and really manhandled that team from start to finish. Yeah, I, I was telling my friends that you know, coming off the high that was the previous game, game of four right yeah, yeah. game four uh where luca hit the game winner i i expected them to come back down to earth not not really you know performance wise which they did do but emotionally and for the clippers to rise a little bit and you know paul george finally had a good game so there you go there you go what he dropped 35 yeah i See how easy it is to drop 35? And I don't want to make this the Paul George diss show, but you see how easy it is to drop 35 when your team is winning by 40? Julio. I mean, see, that's kind of unfair, isn't it? No, but I I don't want to crap on him because I I don't want to seem or come off as insensitive with, you know, the comments he made after the game. But I'm kind of with you there, Reagan. It's like, oh... I, I don't know. I don't know. Whole sympathy boat's been I mean, going out. I understand. Going out for Paul and, and I understand that he he made the comments right. He was in a dark place, right? When he's going through the slump. But 
again, I can't excuse the fact, right? And my parents used to say this all the time, right? If you're going to have this, this like, woe is me, right? Don't project that onto other people because I can't feel bad for you, Paul George, when you were just talking noise about Damian Lillard. If you were in this dark place, why would you try to attempt to impose that on somebody else? That's what I don't get, and that's why I'm lacking a little bit of sympathy right now for Paul George. Yeah, Eddie, exactly. looked like you were going to say something. I'm just saying, like, Paul George dropped uh, 35. Like, we know he's a good player. Um, I just think it's unfair to still crap on him, even if they won by 45, even if Paul George is supposedly a center or something. I mean, he was, like, genuinely good this game. You know, like, we saw him at his kind of uh, best, really, you know, making, like, pull-up jumpers, mid-range shots, getting to the rim, hitting threes, you know, doing all that, playing good defense. Like, again, he's still a good player. I mean, extracurriculars and all, you know, some of the, like, side stuff and all is kind of distracting and not great. But, I mean, I almost want to say that the narrative has maybe, you know, tilted a little too far. Like, the collective kind of hate on Paul George, like, the whole avalanche of criticism is is a little bit ridiculous almost. Like, I don't like some of the actions and antics that he does, but, like, if he has a good game, at least we can say he had a good game, right? He did have a good game. And yeah. it's really, you know, Paul George and the Clippers that I'm looking at it through this lens, right? Because the Clippers bench, when they're up by a lot, you look at those dudes and it's all fun oh games and God. giddiness. And oh, yeah. that, I mean, you mentioned that, it, Eddie. It seems so fake and, and um, composed, right? It doesn't seem natural to them. But when, so when they're annoying. losing, there's a clear dysfunction right there. Oh, I don't want to yeah. say it's dysfunction, but it's almost like they have to manufacture emotion. And you think about it, they're led by two players that are like anti-emotion, right? Kawhi is, you know, everyone knows Kawhi is like basically a robot. I mean, Paul George is not really conducive to like that much excitement. Then you have dudes like Patrick Beverly and Montrez who are just, you know, almost looking like they're yelling for nothing, right? Yelling for no reason, yelling for no other reason, just to like, you know, it, it's it's like when you have like one of those coaches that when your team's down like 30 and they're trying to light a fire under their ass, so they're just like yelling as loud as they can, even though they're not really saying anything. Like, that's what I feel like Pat Bev and Montrez are doing on that bench and in the game. Like, it, yeah. it's, it's really silly. Yeah, yeah. And it's right. Like, when I, when I see something like Montrez take a charge, forcing a turnover, and yelling when he and flexing when he's on the ground. And I'm like, bro, you're up by 20 right now. Like, do this in the heat of the moment when this matters, right? By all means, if you take a charge when you're down by two and there's 50 seconds left on the clock and that's a game-changing play, flex on him a little bit. But it's like, when you're up by 20, what, what are you really doing right now? What, what, what's the point the of funny, all of that? And the funny thing is, like, they were doing this too, like, up 40, and I believe, like, Michael Kidd Gilchrist was shooting threes, and I mean, obviously he like missed most of them, but every time he missed, like the Clippers bench was like clowning him on the sidelines. And that's just like so petty. It's bully and, mentality. It's literally bully mentality. I, they want to pick on like, somebody I, that's in a lesser position than them, but let it be somebody that's going to smack them back in the mouth. They don't have that same energy. That's true. And I mean, I just can't help but think that like, this is not the team that Kawhi wants to play with. Like Kawhi's not that type of dude to mess with, you know, a whole bunch of clowns on the, on the bench and sidelines. And, and uh, you, you know what topic I found interesting that I saw, you know, thrown around and highlighted in, you know, sports shows was, do you think Kawhi was better suited staying, you know, just team-wise and winning-wise in Toronto? Mm. Uh, and although from a talent standpoint, I'd obviously lean towards the Clippers being better, 
But obviously, when we talk about the Raptors, you know, you talk about the cohesiveness, you know, how, how Nick Nurse coaches when even when players are, are hurt. Um, I mean, hell, even though the Clippers are more talented, I, I might lean with the with the Raptors in that case. Are, are we sure the Clippers are more talented? I mean, if we look From at those skill Ka- standpoint, if yeah. we look at those Kawhi-less yeah. rosters, right? You're looking at Paul George, um, and really, we can even get into the semantics of that. You weren't getting Paul George without Kawhi Leonard, right? Um, but you look at Paul George, Montrez, Lou Will, like that's a really good team. But I'm looking at that um, that that Toronto team right now. I'm not sure, like, in this hypothetical world where you place that Clippers roster in the East, I'm not sure they're as successful as the Toronto Raptors were this season without Kawhi Leonard. I don't know. Mm, I don't know about that. I don't know, dude. I mean, honestly, I mean, like, Paul George, great player, obviously. He had his issues throughout the course of the season when it comes to injury. I'm not sure, like, if Paul George is the clear-cut best player on the team, when's the last time we've seen that team be very, very good? Obviously, when you went to OKC, he had Westbrook, right? Westbrook was a very talented player in his own right. Paul George, when you're talking about tier A Paul George and everyone else's tier B and below, I don't know, man. I don't know. I haven't seen that team be very, uh, a team like that be good in a while. I might actually argue that if you took, and I don't want to get into this too far, but if you took Kawhi off this Clippers team and you had PG and the essentially surrounding cast you had last season when the Clippers were like playing hard and tough right like kind of underdogs that they might be even more motivated more um driven to win than they are this year just kind of meandering around you know not really getting up for any games i mean the best player sets the tone right i mean well let me say this just talking about Kawhi, would he have been better in toronto here i mean i do think that Kawhi is a player even no matter how low-key he seems that he wants the same sort of player power that a LeBron or KD has. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so even if he might have been better served in Toronto, like talent-wise or schematically, like Toronto is at first always going to be like a team's team, right? It's going to be like Nick Nurse dictates the schemes and dictates the plays and defensive matchups and everything, right? Like that's why they're so good. And Kawhi, he was good there for one year, but I think if he stayed there for too long, it would have soured just like it did in San Antonio. So, I mean, that's that, really. Well, we saw this team beat up on Luka. Like I said, he's really playing on one leg right now. The ankle clearly isn't right. But Luka, throughout this playoff, he's been very good. I wanted to pose a question to you guys. Throughout these, I think everyone's played four games at this point, right? Have some teams played five yet? Everyone's at four. Yeah, most teams, most teams have played five. Five? Yeah. Okay. So, through these five games, who who's impressed you the most out of all the players in the playoffs? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going with Luca. I mean, it might be recency bias, but I mean, five games isn't really a big sample size. But you know, the, he hit the game winner. He's been playing without KP, and you know, he didn't really have a good game today. Mm-hmm. But I'll attribute that to you know not only his ankle, but just you know he just he just kind of looked tired out there. A lot of turnovers. Didn't really seem motivated uh, or you know uh, up to play. So I mean he's he's having to do the you know the the whole he's he's carrying the whole burden for the team, and although I will say that I underestimated you know going into the playoffs or months ago, you know the the role players that the Mavericks have, let's not get too carried away with you know the pieces that they do they are missing Dwight Powell they're missing KP like I said and, and 
you know, a lot of these guys, Seth Curry, uh, 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 Tim Hardaway Jr., like they're they're really good role players, but it's not like you're going to get 20 from them a night. So let, that's all I'm going to say. Let's not get carried away with the role players the Mavericks have. What about you, Eddie? Um, I don't know if Jamal Murray has been the best player in the bubble in my eyes, but he's definitely shown me the most because he's a dude that got that five-year max contract. And there's definitely a lot of people that were skeptical at first, um, wondering if he's worth the money, if this is going to be an albatross contract. And to be fair, like during the regular season, a lot of it, you know, he showed some flashes of brilliance and there was a lot of inconsistency. And kind of like Donovan Mitchell, he's kind of turned the corner of these playoffs where his shot making started matching what we kind of thought it would be. And now you see a guy who's so good at, you know, navigating off ball, navigating screens on ball, you know, like pulling out all sorts of tricks, you know, in, in, in dribble moves, like step backs, you know, like getting to the rim, everything. Like he kind of, he had that one super highlight move where he split the double and then did a little 360 layup right like that's crazy impressive and maybe most you know just eye-opening of all so his clutch stats in these playoffs um 34 total points in clutch minutes 13 of 18 shooting from the field seven of eight threes six assists to no turnovers and that's clutch meaning like five point games in the last five minutes so when denver really needed him to be great like he has stepped up and then some and he's shown that i mean denver maybe you would have thought okay maybe Jokic and michael porter like that's the future but no like jamal murray has cemented himself as a key piece going forward for this nuggets team i wonder man because jamal murray you know consistently time and again when i watch him play during the regular season it's like why did we give this dude a max again and then i see him in the playoffs and i'm like oh yeah that's right is it worth a max to you guys if a guy is consistently subpar in the regular season but rises to the occasion in the playoffs? If he plays like this consistent, consistently, I, I think yes. But he, he's got to show it more. He's got to show it more. Like just in the playoffs. Like, like you know, we had Hoodie Mellow. Like it's playoff Murray. We get like a, you know, borderline, not even borderline all-star player, like an all-star level player. But during the regular season, you're getting like a – Slightly upper tier pack yeah. of the uh, of the pack yeah. of Jamal Murray. I'd say that's worth it just because they are a really good regular season team. So it's not like they need him to perform like exceptionally well to get a good seating. Hmm. But like that doesn't even make sense though, right? Like how often is there a player that doesn't do anything during the regular season? And has not, has that not been the story season? of his career though? Like like at least this I has mean, been like three years straight where he's done years. this. And I mean, even last year's postseason, he had some he didn't perform like whatever games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing, the thing about seeing these signs is that you can logically expect him to take. I mean, he's not going to go crazy like he is now, but at least some of the advanced shot making, the advanced feel for the game that he's throwing now, he can take it into next year with the momentum he's building now. I mean, it's just impossible. I've never seen a player just switch up like totally different from regular season to playoffs like that, like skill wise. Yeah. You know. Well, what I what I forgot to say about Luca is that he's officially cemented himself as a top. I'm gonna say a top three player in my mind. Three, but what? Definitely five. No, you said three. You said three. I heard that. Five, but <laughs> you said three. Oh, okay. Even okay, five is okay. like crazy. Okay, okay. I'm not including KD. You gotta include KD. Well, 
Okay, if it's if I'm including KD, then you know he's in front of he's obviously in front of Luca. Okay, but I, I wasn't including KD. Okay, so without KD, who are the five? Right, if he's in your top five, it's so tough. <laughs> it's it's, it's got to be Braun, Kawhi, and Luca. Three, so he is three. No Harden. It, James Harden. Okay, James Harden, Steph, and KD. Those are the names that are like I'll put you know equal territory with Luca. No, 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 but, no. We're but, analysts, man. We number these things for no reason. That's what we do. Come on, now. <laughs> there has to be levels. These things matter. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I haven't seen Steph and uh, and uh, you know KD obviously, but K- KD's for sure ahead of Luca if if he's healthy. And all this talk about you know I don't want to you know veer too too much away from the conversation but Dame's the best player in the league stop 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 just stop yeah that that was out of he, pocket for me too people but, were saying, but yeah people were saying that yeah what but yeah Lu, but yeah Luca's top five for me mm. he I cemented mean, himself to me when, when I think about I had a tweet earlier this week where I spelled out the nine players I think it was that I deemed to be superstars in the league and I'm kind of second guessing including Jokic on there. I think I'm still gonna keep Jokic. Thank you. I'm Thank second you. guessing it, but he's still on there for me. It's just you know, I, I I really like his game, but I misspoke and I didn't or I mistyped. I didn't include Luca, and I had meant to. And there were just people in my mentions, Luca, because this is the same night he hit the game winner, and everybody's game like, winner. Luca, where's Luca? Reagan, where'd you put Luca? Are you insane? There's no Luca. I'm like, y'all, I'm sorry. I meant to put Luca Doncic on here because. To me, he is one of the eight to ten superstars that this league has. There's no question about it. Um, I want to give well, you mine though. Let me. Oh, go ahead. My bad. Let me just address this. That I feel like to put Luca on the list of top whatever, you just have to look at well, where's Harden at? And to me, like let's say if Harden is like number five, then Luca's got to be like a couple spots below because there's no way you can say that Luca's better than Harden right now. Because they literally do the same things, except Harden does it better. Hmm. I mean, like they literally do the same things. Oh, I I don't know. I just ah, uh, it's so tough. It, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, he's top ten. He's top ten all time, and, and you have like twenty guys on a list. <laughs> but you know, he. What I'm trying to say is that he really cemented himself as a guy. You know, for sure. You know that can be a number one on on your championship team, and he's just—I I don't know—he's just one of those, you know, quote unquote top five guys. Mm. Even though yeah. m- that maybe that list includes one, seven, of, eight, one of the you know, nine top five guys in the league. Love to see. <laughs> yeah. that. I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet like that. Um, yeah. but the guy that's that's impressed me the most, y'all, Donovan Mitchell, dude. He has been remarkable, and that's a guy that I've said in the past throughout the course of this regular season. He didn't me take too. the the lift that I needed to see him take in terms of advancing his playmaking, learning how to run the pick and roll, being a little bit more patient, stepping up in those clutch moments. I didn't see that from him in the regular season, but whatever the hell he was eating over over these last three months, he came back with all of that in his bag, man. He's running that pick and roll with Rudy Gobert to perfection. To yeah. perfection. And I do want to mention today that the Nuggets ended up winning. And something that I noticed was that Jokic was, you know, he was spotting up a lot more than we've seen him do in games past. And I mentioned before, the only way that you can really dismantle that Jazz defense is by b- pulling Gobert out of the paint. And that that's what they essentially tried to do is say, okay, you're either giving a Jokic a wide open three or, um, or you're pulling Gobert out of the point. That's kind of a side note. But Donovan Mitchell has been averaging... 
I want to say like 39 points. Like yeah, some crazy. Yeah, like, that. like yeah. 30. Yeah, he's averaging in 2019, 2020. He's averaging 37.6 points on 54 and a half percent from the field. 51% from three. He's averaging 94% from free throw, uh, 5.6 assists, and four rebounds, man. That is utterly ridiculous. And, yeah. Those are superstar-level numbers. Yeah. Like, if, I want to give him props. I want to give him props too because I'm one of those people who calls him, you know, overrated. Mm-hmm. Just because he had, you know, that one playoff series, I think two years ago, and everybody just started crowning him. And, you know, when, when I actually looked at his game, it was just inconsistent, some bad shots, turnovers, so not very good defense, but man, like like you said, he's very he, he's impressed me a lot. He's he's made the playoff. transition and I, I think this is an important transition that he was gonna have to make at some point in his career if he wanted to cement himself as one of the top, you know, fifteen players in the NBA at yeah. some point, right? The transition from being a really good shooting guard to a really good lead guard. Because that lead guard has to be able to distribute that rock a little bit. And before, he couldn't do that. But now, I'm seeing it in spades. So, definitely shout out to Donovan Mitchell, man. That dude's been impressive. I know we didn't plan yeah, this, I mean, y'all. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was saying, like, and I see this from both Murray and Donovan, that they, since this restart, have transitioned from dudes who are taking tough shots and making them sometimes into dudes that are taking the shots that they want to take, that they can dictate where they want to be on the floor and take the shots that they want to take. And that's the step from, like, really good to great player. And it's really cool. I mean, Donovan proved me wrong because I thought he was a guy that, you know, couldn't make that happen, but he has. And he even looks good next to Mike Conley as well, and that really bodes well for the future. And, and shout-out to Mike I, Conley I, I for learning how to play off ball because, right, that, that was an adjustment he had to make. Yeah. I, I will say I think it helped him that Mike Conley was out and Bogdanovich hasn't been there because he had to assume literally every single role. He had to be a shooter off the ball. He had to be the point guard. He had to he had to play every role, and obviously he's excelled at it. So I think it kind of benefited him too to you know take on a bigger role for his team. Gotcha. Sometimes it's trial by fire, man. I want to flip you all this because we did we were planning to talk about the coaching um, the coaching positions, right? But there's another thing that happened today, and I want to ask you guys which one you prefer to talk about. The Defensive Player of the Year award was given out today. And those coaching positions, they're going to be vacant for a while, right? So we could flip that, save it for Thursday, or, and talk about the um, the Defensive Player of the Year if you guys think it's worthy. Or we could just talk about the coaching positions. What do you all think? I think the coaching because we talked a little bit about the Defensive Player of the Year on another episode. And I, I don't know what your – I forgot what your thoughts are. On, or on Eddie, but you know I'm fine with Giannis winning. I would have yeah. chosen chosen AD, but I'm fine with Giannis. I'm saying none of us are mad or surprised about it, right? So like, what is yeah. like what takes to even have about it? I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. I, I'll just leave it at this. Some people really watch basketball through some purple and gold colored glasses, man. Like they cannot see anything outside of what happens with LeBron and the Lakers. Like for people to say that Giannis wasn't even anywhere in the, the, the realm that AD was this year is a ridiculous statement. But you guys made the decision, majority rules. Let's talk about the coaching, man. So there are currently four vacancies in the NBA right now. You have the Pelicans, Brett Brown was fired today. So the 76ers are open. The Chicago Bulls are open. And the last one is the Brooklyn. Brooklyn, no, yeah, the Brooklyn Nets. So, I want to pose the question to you guys: of those four vacancies, which one, if you're a head coach, would be the most attractive? For, okay, I'm, I'm one to believe that 
none of these are really attractive if you're like a you know a1 head coach you're very sought after and you're waiting on a right opportunity you know to present itself i wouldn't choose any of these teams i would wait till next year or maybe in a few years but i would have to choose the nets just because they have the best roster but the the problem with you know frankly all of these teams is that you know dysfunction just lies to me at the heart of all of them you know when you look at the 76 you got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons that whole mess you know Elton Brand not knowing how to you know build the roster around them the Bulls front office I don't I don't even have to talk about that and, and with the Pelicans the Pelicans might not have you know huge concerns about you know chemistry and, and all that but do I really believe in that team enough to really you know stamp my name on it and want to develop that roster. I, I don't know if I want to go through, I'm sorry to say it, but like injuries with Zion and, and all that. I, I don't know if I trust all that. There we go. So I'm going to have to go with the Nets, the best team on here. In Like that's not even a, a dispute or, or an argument. You know, they have the best chance to, to win a championship next year. So you got to go with the Nets. Got you. Mr. Sun. So the Nets on paper are the best team in the league probably when healthy, right? But if you're a coach that has any sort of, like, self-worth, are you really going to sit there and try to, quote-unquote, coach Kyrie and KD as they well, bounce DeAndre Jordan to well, start over Jer Allen? Well, would would you say that Tyron Lue has self-worth when he won the championship really. in Cleveland? He, he uh, let, oh, he but let, do you think he, he let... Um, I'm saying he let Iman Trumper just put his damn towel on him right in the fucking finals. The oh, shade. Okay, but who, who was it? Do you think he regrets having a ring as a head coach? Um, I'm sure he's fine with it, but I'm saying like if you're a more, you know, if you're a coach with a higher reputation, then a coach, a coach, a coach with a higher reputation isn't free in the market right now. Isn't isn't you know looking for jobs? I mean, there there are the names out there that everyone talks about, right? Like, uh, like Stan Van Gundy or um, Tyron Lue or Mark Jackson. Like everyone brings up those names, and that's fine. Like they're a great players, coach. Like go put them in Philly or Brooklyn or something. But there's definitely a lot of assistants out there that haven't sniffed the head coaching job yet that are probably the the best kind of schematic coaches to put in, you know, in, in certain positions. So actually, that was what I was going to bring up that to me. I mean, obviously, Chicago and New Orleans are teams with um, a lot of um, um, young talent. Don't right? say and that. Julio hates that, man. have a very good... <laughs> I'm saying you already have a lot of good. Uh, uh, sorry, you already have, have a good GM in New Orleans with David Griffin, and you already have the young talent in place and a ton of assets going forward. If you're, you know, one of these assistant coaches that thinks deserves a shot at the head coaching position, and you hitch your wagon to New Orleans and you build your coaching reputation along with the players, like that can be a good, you know, nice future for you. But I mean, if you're Mark Jackson, go ahead and you know coach Brooklyn or whatever. Like that's cool. I, I will say I, I kind of agree with your point, Eddie. And we talked about this in the past. I think I brought it up with uh, Monty Williams where he was a candidate for that Lakers coaching job, but I can't imagine that an offensive mind like him wanted to go coach LeBron because you just don't so, get, you don't get the same autonomy. But, Julio, oh, do you no, really no, think wanna, that you get to do everything you that you want to do coaching superstars? But I want to know what you would do if you were in Monty Williams' position. Well, let, let, let's ask the question. Do I have my current basketball knowledge or do I have the basketball knowledge of somebody who's been in the industry for, you know, decades? Now, if, you, if you were Monty Williams, would you choose the Lakers or the Suns? If I were Monty uh, Williams, uh, I would not go what? coach the Lakers. 
I would not because I would want. No, I, like, here's the thing: if if I'm if, if if right, and let's put this in the context of Brooklyn, right? If I'm a coach who is confident in my system, right? I want to go implement systems. I want to go develop young talent. I want to see no, something no. grow, right? And okay. that that's that's what's fun for a lot of people in this industry. I want to see something grow, and I want to build with it. I don't want to just tack my name on something that was already going to be existing. I can understand why a coach would have those sentiments. I I, I truly do. And there's no wrong or right there. I'm not saying that people who, you know, go coach those superstar teams are are wrong in any way. That's just to say that, you know, if I feel like I want to build something from the ground up, that's what I'm going to go and do. And I'm not going to go. There's no building from the ground up with Brooklyn. It's built. You just have to go there. Sure. If you value building something from the ground up to 80 percent of a championship, you know, not winning a championship more than actually, you know, having a shot at winning a championship, then go ahead. Choose so that you don't think you don't Whatever think that you value if, if more, you, but what what I think you should value most is winning that championship and the Brooklyn Nets obviously give you the the best position for next year. Right obviously, now, yeah, for next year. Them, but if I'm a coach and I'm like damn confident in my ability to coach, I'm looking at like Eddie said, New Orleans, and I'm like, shoot, I got Zion. I got Brandon Ingram. I have a growing Lonzo Ball. I got a veteran like Drew Holiday. Okay, I can go win a championship with that team in seven years. Here, here's the problem with that. Uh, like I tell all of you guys, and or it might be you know Penny with a broad brush, but all these teams have great young talent. Bro, great young. Bro, you can't out. just discount great young. I mean, great, there is a such thing as actual great young talent. The Pelicans are awesome. You know, had Zion been really unleashed this year, that team would have likely made the playoffs. In it never mind. pans out, though. It never pans out. What it do you mean it never out. pans out? You know who else was a great young team? The Celtics maybe is the only team. The Toronto Celtics. was a great young team at one point. The Warriors, team? the Warriors were a great young team. You can still build it. I'm like Julio. I get it. We're Lakers fans. We don't do this. We we just we just get, we just get our free agents and we 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 get a, a a melting pot, a freaking salad bowl of our our favorite free agents and we just go at it for the ring. But there is there are teams, man. Believe it or not. There are teams out okay. there that actually build rosters, bro. Okay. It's crazy. Oh, oh, I don't know okay. how they do it. It's okay. crazy. It's wild. Okay, but as a head coach, your goal should be to be as successful as possible. Is it? Where do you think? To me, if, if I'm, if I'm, if okay, anything that I've done, my goal has always been to maximize on my ability, right? I don't get to display yeah. my ability if I go coach KD and Kevin Durant. You, you get to display your ability if you're on the biggest stage. But what am I doing? Because he, he, because There's nothing to be done there. It's like, uh, what, what am I going to draw up? KD ISO? That's been like, I that's been yeah. drawn up. I mean, yeah. that's great, but yeah. I, I don't it feel works. like I'm doing anything, right? You know, if, I, if I'm a coach and I want to go do something, right? I want to accept the challenge. I, I want to take the greater challenge, which would be building something from the ground up. And again, that's not to say that people who don't build something from the ground up, because there is something to be said for the ability to coach and maintain superstars and all, all the, you know, flamboyancies that come along with it. That's a lot to manage. Some dudes can't do that. But if I'm a coach and my calling my passion for the game is in developing talent and and, and thinking about how i can make xyz work rather than just saying well i have all the best players so let's just go out there and run i can understand why a coach wouldn't want to go into that situation all right yeah Sure. On that note, we're hitting 30 minutes, y'all. Y'all understand, I got this 30-minute cap on me now. I can't go off on my tangents like I used to. But that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Make sure you go follow all of the socials at SQR1Media on Instagram, 
at SQR1 Media on Twitter, at SQR1 Hoops on Instagram and Twitter for a hoop and holler specific experience. This is one of the best outros that I've done in a while. I hope you guys are relishing in this moment. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in. We will see you on Saturday. Thank you.